Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Urban Youth Word. We want to encourage you to engage with it and at the end even ask Holy Spirit to take this word, let it go deep into your heart and for him to make the changes that he would like to make through what has been spoken. If you have any more questions or you'd like to reach out, you'd like to know, we'd love to reach out to you. If you haven't joined us, I want to encourage you to join us in person. Urban is a ministry for high school aged young people and we meet every Friday of the youth term where possible and we would love to connect with you if you haven't yet connected with us. To start off, I wanted to get straight into the word if that's okay. Oh, is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. That's okay with our little group. Cool. We're going to read from Ephesians to start with. Let's go Ephesians 4, verse 21 to start. All right. Get it out. Get that that Bible out. Come on. You want to bookmark these boys? Let's bookmark them. All right. Um, I'm reading from NIV. Um, I know that's not what most people at our church read from, but it's my personal preference. Um, It's... it's, it's, Don't make it sound like it's blasphemous. (laughs) Heresy is being said. He just didn't want to have to change his translation. All right, let's read. I'm going to read. Ephesians 4, verse 21 to 25. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth truth that is Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for you're all members of one body. Like that, good word. All right. Now, to completely change the subject, um, I want to tell you a story about when I was in year three. Do you guys remember being in year three? Yeah? Year three for me was, was a riot. I like to call year three... Year three, everyone's the same age in year three. Well, make it, no, two years, they could be. Yes, so like nine years old. Can we, can we put the photo up of me in year three? This is year three, Jake. I, this is the shortest my hair has ever been in my life. <laughs> even when I was born, I had more hair than that. <laughs> Not even kidding. Um, I was a little kid. Um, that makes my head look so big. It's hilarious. My head actually was pretty big in year three. But year three was my rebellious stage. The reason for this, um, I, I boiled down to um, my friends, but also that I was quite impressionable. So um, I once got in trouble and got detention because me and my friends, I don't know why we got in trouble. We were throwing rocks at windows, and some, for some reason we got in trouble for that, which was a bit sc- Come on. <laughs> Come on, I was throwing rocks at windows. It's not that bad. It's only like hundreds of dollars property damage. Anyway, now the second story is quite funny. Um, There was this kid at my school. I can't remember his name anymore. Um, Surprise, surprise. Um, And he was kind of, he was a bit annoying, but he was also like a bit weird. And so me and my friend um, were walking over to the playground and we saw this kid. Now, this (laughs) we decided hey, it's that kid, let's go tease him, right? And this is year three teasing, right? So we go over, and we're like, yeah, we're going to show him. And so we start running circles around him, calling him a chicken whilst going like this. (laughs) I don't know who looked funnier, whether it was him or me. But we're like, 
be like just running around calling him a chicken, right? And he's like, what the heck are these guys doing? And he's had enough real quick. He's like, immediate reaction was just clocked me straight in the head, right? <laughs> year, three, year three kid gets a fist straight to the head. And so I'm crying. They're, everyone is suddenly feeling really bad. The situation's gone crazy. And we just so happen to be right out front of the deputy principal's office. So, 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 so he heard everything go down, saw immediately, and all of us got detention, which is a bit pretty much. Um, but, but, but for me, for me, that was like that was that was funny. Um, but it was funny because uh, in that moment, um, in that moment, I wasn't being authentic. I was impressioned by my friend who wanted to tease this kid, and in fact, those that friend and another friend. I was notoriously bad at following what they were doing, regardless of how bad it was. As a kid, I was really bad with these particular two kids, and so I'd always wanted, regardless of if I didn't want to do it or not, because I wanted to be cool. Like, there weren't many friends in this tiny. T- just, just for some context, I lived in a town where there were a thousand people, um, and my class—you can't see it here—but my class had about 16 kids in it, which is small. But we had like 200 kids in the whole school. Um, and so most of the kids, most we had a thousand people, and then you know fly out. So there wasn't many people in the town, and so I didn't have many friends as options, and so that's why I became quite impressionable. Um, now, it's it's pretty obvious um, that we're talking about uh, authenticity today, and when you look up authenticity as a definition, right, what you'll get is that you should be true to yourself, right? Can we get a cheer for being true to yourself? Yeah, come on. I don't know why you cheered. You're all wrong. You're wrong. It's not right. Fake news. Why'd you do that? Come on. You know better. The world says that to be authentic, you must be true to yourself. But what the Bible tells us is that to be authentic, you need to get rid of yourself. It's not about you. To be, to, to be yourself, to be authentic to who you are is to accept the, the, um, the, the old body. To be, to be authentic is to be true to who God says you are, right? Because if we follow what we want, we're not going to live a life that's authentic to who God's called us to be. We're going to live a life that's, that's true to who we think we should be, that's developed and, and related to all the people around us regardless. So going back to Ephesians, if we go um, verse 22... You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Exactly what we're talking about. Which has been corrupted. And put on the new self created to be like God. In true righteousness and holiness. Do you get that? To be authentic is not to be true to yourself. It's to be true to who God says you are. And that's that's a common thing that we lose, right? Now... I want to get on to, um, to point number two, and we'll swing back around. Um, can you put up point number two? No, can we go to point number two? Yep, that's the one. Nero is a turd. And those who know who Nero is, <laughs> well, you learn about him too. you're going to learn even more today. So, where I want to talk about, when I was, when I was looking at this, I'm, I was actually quite, and we'll talk about it more later, I was quite inspired by, um, by Paul in the Bible. Um, and so it got me thinking about um, the early church and some of the stuff that they faced and what that looked like when they just started off. And 
when Christianity started, so uh, when this story took place, the word Christian was only brand new. Um, so they, be- they weren't really called Christians then. Um, what they were seen as just an offshoot of Judaism, like a, like a cult nearly, um, or a sect off from Judaism. Um, so they had barely got the name at the time. Now, um, in, um, this guy called Nero had recently become the ruler of... The, and when, when Nero started reigning, he was 17 years old, right? He was 17 when he was put in charge of all of Rome and the whole Roman Empire, which is a, a lot to handle, um, which was evident because uh, Nero was a jerk. He was a bit of a turd, um, as the point says. Um, now, let's fast forward to 64 AD, all right? This is about 30 years after Jesus has died. Only 30 years, so keep that in mind. Only 30 years has passed. And so this is well in the lifetime of most of the people that were with Jesus. So, Nero was really dumb, and he made some dumb decisions. People didn't really like him, probably because he was too young. Um, and so he did a lot of dumb stuff, and this really big event happened. Um, what actually happened is Nero was out of, out of Rome, and while, while he was out of Rome, fire. Sounds familiar. Now, Rome, there was, it wasn't some small, small house fire. Um, in fact, two-thirds of Rome burnt to the ground. And it burnt for nine days straight. So people died. There's all this destruction that's just happened um, in the Roman Empire. And so Nero comes back and this, this stuff starts to happen. People are, people are starting to scheme and actually reckon he lit it. And that Nero lit the fire and hence why he wasn't in town when it happened. Um, I, there's no proof. I did actually do some research, couldn't find out. But Nero had all this heat on his back. Not fire, just heat, because um, he wasn't in town when it happened. No fire. Um, and so he had to get this off him. So what did he did? He already didn't like Christians. And so he blamed Christians for the fire. He said that the, the Christians started the fire that burnt two-thirds. Um, and so... Now, now Nero had this justification to kill Christians. He already didn't like them because they wouldn't worship the Roman gods. He already didn't like them because they were just standing out against other people. So he had this justification. Um, they were treated terribly. A lot of them were crucified just like Jesus was. Um, they were thrown into, if we can get that photo, it's pretty brutal. The more you look into it, the more brutal it gets. Um, this is a painting that was done. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, there's people in the background on posts there. It's uh, quite brutal. Um, and so, uh, it's pretty savage. Uh, they were fight lions, fighting lions while people hung on poles around them. And most horrifically, don't show the photo till I've said it, but they would have these parties in Rome. And I, I think uh, they'd have these parties in Rome and around the party, they would have um, a ton of posts around the outside of the party. And what they would actually do, it's horrific, we can show it, is they would actually, um, they would actually burn Christians alive on poles as torches to light the party. So they would sit in there having a party while people are burning alive. Right? Horrific, horrific stuff. Probably, probably did smell, yeah, definitely. Like, they literally had parties lit by the bodies of Christians and 
and it's mental to think about. Um, and, and it was the first time in history where Christians were killed purely on the basis of being Christian. Not because of a crime they committed, but purely on the basis of being Christian. Now, at the same time as this happened, Paul was writing to the churches while this very stuff was happening. And so um, we can see here he's actually wrote kind of about this in 1 Corinthians 4.9. For it seems to me that God has put us, to, uh, us apostles on display at the end of the procession like those condemned to die in the arena. We've been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as human beings. So a lot of the history about the persecution actually isn't in the Bible. Um, but you can actually find it from other historical um, texts, from small mentions like this. You see, if you think about it, right, these Christians are dying left, right, and center. And Paul's writing them, um, the letters to them. Paul could have written anything. Paul could have written anything, plans on how to overthrow Rome, how to fight back, how to hide, how to give in. He could have written all of those things, as I'm sure some of them want. But even though they were being killed hor horrifically, he taught them who they were. He taught them who they were in Christ, what their identity was in Christ. So that when they were told to worship other gods or thrown into the arena or set on fire as a human torch, not the superhero, they knew who they were. And they could stand firm in who God had called them to be. So he, in this time, while they're suffering, he was encouraging them. He was encouraging them to know who they were. So if we could get Romans 8 up. So this was specifically written to the Romans, which is where this was happening. Um, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you deceived does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with children. Now, we are, if we are children, then we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. Right? So these people are suffering. And you know what Paul's saying? You are, you are, you are sons of God. You are sons and daughters of God. You are, you are co-heirs with Christ. He's putting it, putting it in who their identity is. So that when they have to face the lions, there's no fear. You know, Stephen the martyr, like no fear in death because he knew who he was. Paul himself, um, yeah, in doing research, um, there's some people that reckon that Paul may have ended up um, in the arena himself fighting lions. Um, I can't confirm, and if I, anything I would say that um, probably not likely, because I feel like he would have put it in his big spiel about all the bad. Um, but, uh, but regardless, even him being put in that arena, or all the stuff that he went through, it didn't stop him. Paul deeply knew who he was, because he was changed by who God said he was. He knew who he was. So that when we go to if we could get Acts 19, get an Acts 19 up, because this is, this is good. This is, this is happening around the same time that they're being persecuted and burnt and crucified. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly 
there for three months, arguably, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate, they refused to believe, and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him daily in the lecture halls of Tyrannus. This went on for two years. People are being killed left, right, and center, and daily he would come go to bring people to Christ for two years. We know later that, um, that Paul faced a lot to do with the, the court system and, um, and all of that because of this exact stuff. Um, this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Again, Paul did this because he knew who he was. Not who he was in himself, but who God said he was. Right? If Paul continued to live the way that he thought he was, he would be killing Christians himself. If you look back and go and look what he was doing, he was killing Christians before, G- before God came in and, and changed that. Right? So because he knew who God was and who God had called him to be, if you don't know who God says you are, and this is, this is an important part, if you don't know who God says you are, you need, need to spend some time figuring it out. Why? Because you might go to school and go, hey, this and seems cool. Doesn't necessarily have to be bad. And I might come go do that. That's what my friend's doing. Just go hang out with them. Maybe you come to youth and you go, hey, this, this place seems pretty positive. You know, there's some cool people here. Maybe there's some people my age. Maybe there's some, some stuff. They seem like they're doing, I'll just do what they're doing. You know, I'll just come and come to and sit in the chair and do worship when we do worship. It seems like, it seems like they're doing a good job. You know, I'll just, I'll just follow them. I'll just, we can, if we don't know who we are, we're going to spend our whole lives just following other people who don't know who they are either. Right? We're going to end up in this weird maze of a bunch of sheep running in different directions and no one knows where they're going because no one knows who they are. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Bali, but if you go to Bali, now it's not it's common now because CDs can't quite as popular, but who's ever gone and had like a barley copy of a movie? Yeah? Yeah? So had a pile of barley copy of a movie? Yeah, I've had some barley copies. We made our own barley copies at home. <laughs> CD burner, here we go. I loved having like just cut out of the Cars movie <laughs> halfway through. <laughs> we, even, uh, we even CD burnt... Um, we CD burnt... Uh, all of the Steve Irwin movies, like, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I love those. Because we'd watch them in the car while we were driving from the country town down to Perth and stuff. So we watched heaps of movies as a kid. And so, so you know, barley copies are cool and all. You know what they're going for. Well, they're not, they're not quite like some barley copies are like not, you know, they're the ones that aren't even the actual movie. <laughs> like just some weird rip-off of the actual movie. <laughs> and... <laughs> and they're just really rubbish. <laughs> and so, so, <laughs> <yeah>. sometimes, 
<laughs> and so sometimes we can be like a barley coffee movie. Um, believe it or not, you can be like a barley coffee movie. Especially teenagers, I reckon, are very good at knowing when something's fake, right? You know when you go on Instagram and you see that person that's posted the thing and like, yeah, all right, that's like, that's fake as. Or like, you know, you, even celebrities, you go, oh, that's, that's pretty fake. You know, you watch some YouTuber or see some cool video of some cool thing and you're like, yeah, they definitely faked that one. There's so much of it, right? So much stuff's fake. You see like those so clearly staged, it's cringy, right? <laughs> it's, it's just embarrassing, but for some reason you watch them anyway. I don't know who does that, honestly. <laughs> I've been there, trust. You've just given them a view, right? Um, you've given them precious watch time. Anyway, so it's pretty easy to point out when people are faking it. And, and I'm sure, I can tell if you're, not, if you're distracted. Um, uh, I'm sure if you go to school, it'll be pretty easy for you to point out those that are kind of faking it. Those in your friend group that are just trying to fit in, that, you know, maybe they don't even want to be there. Maybe they're just, just faking it. Um, it's pretty easy to point out. But I want to challenge you. Your friends know if you're just faking it. They may not, even if none of them are Christian, they know. When, when, when they ask you that question and you go, yeah, I'll come along. They're all going and they all in their head go, I thought this guy was a Christian, man. Like, like I've, I've been there, you know. Your friends will call you out if you make a decision that isn't what they believe a Christian is. They'll be like, I, I thought you were a Christian, man. Maybe your friends don't even know you're Christian because you've been faking it the whole time. <laughs> right? So, now if your friends know that you're faking it, and they're not even Christian. Sorry to tell you, but um, we can tell when you're faking it. Elise can tell when you're faking your faith. She can tell. She knows. I know. And so all five... <laughs> now, you guys get a pass because I haven't learned you long enough, but for these three boys, <laughs> when you're faking your faith, when you're saying... Yeah, 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 yeah. I read my Bible. I pray to the Lord. I asked him for more money. <laughs> we know. We know. You're not, you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so when you... Bible more. We know. So, if, you know, if you're in a spot where you're faking it, where maybe you don't even know who you are, where you're faking it at school, where you're faking it at youth, and your family knows, you know, your friends know, we know, everyone knows that you're faking it, right? It's come. We end, up at this, we end up at this question, we've gone over all this stuff, we've looked at, at Paul and the stuff that he went through because he knew who he was, we've looked at what authenticity is, Right? We've looked at all, what authenticity is, and it means to be not true to yourself, but to true to who God says you are. But there's an important gap that's missing so far. And what that is, 
is uh, who does God, right? You cannot live an authentic life if you following God, if you don't even know what God says about you. How can you live your life following God if you don't even know who he says you are and what he's actually called you to do? Now, I want to encourage you to... Um, I can't actually sit here and tell you. I can give you some verses that say some things about what God says about you. But if you, are, you need to figure it out yourself. Go read the Bible. Go ask a mentor, a friend, a Christian friend who actually knows what they're talking about and not faking it themselves, um, and say, who does God actually say I am? Can we get that identity card up there? I've got, it's back on my phone, guys. For those that remember this thing. Anxiety. Anyway, so for all of our youth kids a few years ago, and what it actually says on the back of it, so it says on the front, it has like, let me hang on, let me get it. It has on the front of it like a picture. I don't like this one because it makes my forehead look like a flipping seven head. It's because it was taken really far up close. Look at the photo of me. Look at my forehead, man. Right? And so this is the, this is the identification card. <laughs> it says it's number one... 17,893. How many youth kids do we have back then? Our youth was bigger than I thought. Far out. Anyway, um, now, <laughs> um, on the back, as you see here, it actually has a ton of verses that talk about who God says you are. Now, we can even go back to that one in Romans that we talked about that says you are a son of God, right? Some of the other ones on here, that you are God's masterpiece, That God had a plan for you before you were even in your mother's womb. That we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's a classic. That you are a new creation. That you are deeply loved by God. Right? I can tell you all these things, but half of them go, I know that verse. I've heard that verse before. And so it, it goes into cringe, cl cliche area of your brain. You need to go figure it out yourself. I can't tell you who you are. You know why? Because I'm not God. Authenticity is not to live as God, Jake tells you to be. I am not your God. Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. So... There's a lot of verses on here that are really, really good, and if you had one, you, you know, like me. But um, um, I actually, I actually think it'd be really cool to uh, make some up again, um, just for everyone, because I, sp I spent years, years with this in the back of my phone, and it was so good sometimes because I get bored. You know when like you're in that mood and you just start reading everything around you, like you read, you read, wrapper must see all ingredient, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I want to know all of the milligrams of sodium in this product, right? right? Tell me, put your hand up if you've never been there. You've never been there. Yeah, see all of you. Yeah, fakers. So, so you sit there reading it. So, I found this so handy. For times when I would just catch myself reading everything. And I find myself reading Bible verses about who God says I am. And so it starts to get ingrained in that noggin of yours. So I want to tell you another story. The story um, was about me being inauthentic. I want to tell you about a time where 
for me, a season where I truly knew, I truly knew to my deepest core who God had called me to in that season. And I had no fear. Now, this is, not, this is not a brag story because sometimes looking at this story, I actually get jealous of myself. because of just, No, dude, just because of how fearless I was. I look back and go, how was I like that? As some of you may know, I went to a school called Alter One for my last two years of high school. Um, I'd had, you know, a bit of a rough upbringing, but regardless, um, I ended up at Alter One. Now, I started Alter One in a spot where I wanted things to change. I'd been through the bad stuff, but I wanted stuff to change. But I still didn't know who I was. And I was super anxious, but not anxious in like the quiet sense. I was talk anxious. And you can ask JL this. I would just talk about anything and everything all day long. Yeah, the milligrams of sodium. I'd talk about it. <laughs> um, who knows? I'd talk about everything. Um, and that was just how I expressed that. But God was doing something in me when I started at Alter One. I'd come, I was, used to be terrified of people that weren't people I was comfortable with. I used to be terrified of, so, hang on, let me check it on. All right. Um, I, used, I was bullied heaps by kids. And so whenever I saw someone who looked kind of dodgy or was a bit bigger, I'd, I'd get so scared. My first, I came for my interview at the school and, and the first thing I see was uh, Trevor. First person I see, I was like, this player, I'm gonna die. And so I was terrified. But God was doing something in, and over my time as I started, God started to work through that stuff that, that I'd been through. And what he actually started to teach me was who I was, who God had called me to be. I made... I had three rules when I started Alter One. I can't remember the third one, which is probably bad. Um, but the two ones I remember was that I was never going to date anyone in that school, ever. Flat out, never. They were all there because they were broken and going to be worth my time. Um, second of all was something that stands with me to this day. I already have a girlfriend, so I don't really need to worry about that one. Um, what? Anyway, um, uh, um, the second one was, wherever you go, you are either the influenced or the influencer. You get to decide which one of those you are. So when I, I am going to influence these people, these people are not going to influence me. I've decided that. So every decision I made was centered around that. So even though I was in this new friend group, and not one of them was Christian. And you name it, they were into it. Literally everything. Drugs. Sleeping with people constantly. Stealing. Not just soft drugs, like hard drugs. Some of them. That was, that was the people that I spent my life around. And we talk about you know, being in groups of friends and being influenced by them. I was not going to let them influence me because I knew who I was, right? So what actually happened? So I'm around these people who don't know God, who are spending their life doing crazy things. I remember one day going to the bus stop and, and they're all just chilling there and then you know, one of them, and I'm like, yeah, bye. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was not prepared uh, mentally or physically um, <laughs> or spiritually, really. <laughs> but... But here's, 
here's what God did in me at that school. I knew that the stuff I could say about Christianity, the staff couldn't say. I knew I could tell them, you need Jesus. I knew I had that loophole that the staff didn't have. So I'd change conversation. We'd be talking about something negative and I'd bring God into it. I'd find a way to, to switch a conversation, to ask, hey, does that, do you actually need prayer for that? I'd be following up people saying, hey, like, you know, do you want me to pray about that for you? Hey, come along to youth. Hey, come along to youth. Hey, come along to youth. I, can't, I don't know how many kids I got to come along to youth during my time there, but, but quite a few. I remember specifically we were coming up to um, a Youth Alive, pretty comp- good event. You remember this year? And we had, we had like three months that we knew this event was coming, and I was like, this is it. This is my time. And I, we, um, the youth ministry, Urban Youth had been doing um, an alpha course with them anyway. But I feel like, you know, um, yeah, that was cool. Um, but I feel, yeah. Anyway. Um, but I was like, this is it. I'm getting these people to God. And so I daily would be like, hey, you coming to Adrenaline? Hey, you coming to Adrenaline? Hey, you coming to Adrenaline? I didn't care what they said or called me back. I wanted them to know God. And so, I don't know how big our campus was at the time, probably like 30 people. I got a third of the whole campus to come to Adrenaline just by telling them they needed God, not harshly, being there for them, my character. They knew who I was. I remember, I remember times where I was literally praying for people who had sore legs, doing a prayer, prayer room at lunch. And I was fearless. I just wanted these people to know God with all that I was. And so I look at that time and go, knew who I was and no one was going to tell me any different. And can I tell you, when you know, when, when you know who God says you are, you're you will be the exactly the same. You will have so much courage. You will be fearless because you know who God says you are. And if the God of the universe says you should do this thing, who cares what everyone else thinks, right? So when it comes to being authentic, it comes back to our main topic of can't be authentic, be your true self if you don't know who you are. And so figure out who God says you are. Now, just like in that story, When you live your life authentically for God, your life gets changed, but you actually, you actually you create an aura around you or a ripple. So wherever you move to a room, the atmosphere changes. So that you don't even have to speak a word and people know that there is something about you that they want to be a part of. Right? You don't even have to tell people you're Christian. People just know. When you are following the call of God on your life, I mean it, people just know. It's weird. You don't even have to speak. You can just walk in and to get a coffee and people, people know. So God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Um, sorry, we're actually going to Bible verse. Acts 19, 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him 
were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would mock Paul preaches, I command you come out. Look at the influence Paul was happening, having on these people. They wanted to be a part of what Paul was about. This dude who was coming into their city, telling them they needed Jesus, even though his friends, his family, his loved ones were being burnt on posts, were being crucified. He didn't care. He knew who he was. And look at the stuff that God did through his life. We get to listen to it because of the courage, because Paul knew who he was in God. We can talk about this right now. Because of the identity that Paul knew he had. Find out who you are in God so that you can live the life God has called you to fearlessly. And so, I want to finish. Um, and this is for the leaders too. Lockie, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, if you don't know who God says you are, if you don't truly know your identity in Christ, if you feel like you've lost it, like you've been in a season where you knew but you don't know, I'll be honest, that time with that story, um, I haven't felt like I've am since then in the same way that he did in that time, right? So you have seasons where you know more than others, but if you don't feel like you know, if you feel like you've kind of lost it a bit, if you're just full-on faking it, if you're faking your faith, just convincing people, if you're telling people you're a Christian but you don't read the Bible or pray or any of the stuff that God says to actually hear from God, I want you, just, just for a minute, to just, just reflect on that. Do I really know who God says I am? Think about it for a second. Do I really know who God says I am? What God has called me to? Am I just faking it? Am I just following some people who look like they probably know? And so, if you've come to the conclusion that, or oh, I'm faking it, just now, there's not many of us. Just throw your hand up. Throw your hand up. Just throw it up. No regrets. Yeah, you can pop it down, Mono. Thanks. That's good. It's good that you can come to that, Mono, because, like, you know, we've, we've got to be real with ourselves. I, I'm, I'm half tempted to throw my own hand up and go, I don't know who God says I am. Do I live my life in a way that reflects that I truly know who God says I am. Does where I go leave an aura no matter where I go? Are people changed when I enter a room because of God's power in me? Not because you're the wisest person around, but because you know regardless of exactly who God says you, do, you are. So I'm going to ask again. Truly know in your heart of hearts who you are, if you just don't know, put your hand up. I'm going to put mine up.